Well, thank you to everyone that has helped us worship this morning. Again, people on the platform uh, participating, leaders, uh, those in the congregation singing out as well. And I always want to be quick to also remember to say thank you to everybody, even apart from music, helping us worship this morning. Uh, People coming out early, setting up uh, ladies faithfully in our nursery right now. Uh, Team down with our kids and grandkids and children's church. Uh, Ushers watching over, safety team, different things. Uh, People in the back helping with sound and uh, live streaming and want to welcome uh, those that are joining us by way of live streaming as well. Our worship continues this morning. As we open up once again to Hebrews chapter 12, if you didn't bring a Bible with you, for it works easier for you, the text we look at is almost always inside the bulletin on your lower left-hand corner, so you can follow along there. Hebrews 12 has really changed for me over these last couple of messages. It has gone from a passage that I've always appreciated to a passage that I love, and I've bumped it up to one of my favorites. And, and it's just so incredible because Hebrews 12 addresses what seems to me to be one of the greatest challenges that Christians face in life. It's dealing with the question of, I'm a believer in Jesus, God is my Father, so why is my life so hard? And I've had more than one or two people say this through the years to me, Greg, if if when my children, if I could control life, I would not want my kids to go through what I'm going through. God is my father. I'm suffering. I don't get it. What's up? And Hebrews, 12, Hebrews is written to believers, and they're being persecuted. People all around them are saying, come on, give up this Christian stuff. And they're facing active persecution. And Hebrews is a letter that's saying, don't go back. Keep running your race. Jesus is better. Now, you might not listen to the whole message this morning. So I want to, if, if I want to give you just one thing to encourage you, if you're here, you're a professing believer, and you say, Greg, tell me why my life is so hard. In your own Bible and the bulletin, guys, just look at verse 10. This is what you want to meditate on, Hebrews 12.10. He disciplines us for our good so that we may share His holiness. Every trial that you face in life is for your good and for your holiness. Everyone. Everything you face this week, and you might say, so you're telling me God did these bad things to me. No, I'm not saying God did it. But it's for your good, it's for your holiness, and if that's interesting to you, the last three or four messages have all been on this section. So if, you, if that would encourage you to go back and maybe listen to them. You say, Greg, we finished this last time, didn't we? We did, yeah. Last time we got all the way through verse 17, and that ends this wonderful section. So verse 18 starts something new. And you're thinking, okay, something new today, right? Wrong. Because the passage is too good. I I can't let it go this quickly. And I've prayed this week about one more message. Because my concern is this. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3. Hebrews is written to people, excuse me, verse 5. Hebrews is written to people that are really struggling. Life is so hard. How do you help people like that if they're Christians? Verse 5, and you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. Hebrews is saying, you are really, really struggling and I know how to help you. You just have to remember what it says back in Proverbs about raising children. You know what it says. Well, see, these Jewish people knew their Old Testament really well. And you could just quote from Proverbs, and they're like, check, got it, I know that passage. In fact, I know what the Bible teaches about fathers and sons and raising children. So if you know this and know this well, Hebrews just makes sense. But 
many people today don't know this quite as well as these Jewish believers would. And so even though the author can say in verse 5, you've forgotten this, but I know you know it well, it may be that some of what we've covered about God disciplining us doesn't make as much sense as it should because we don't really understand what the Bible teaches about loving parental discipline. So we're going to have a message from this passage as well as other texts. And we're going to consider loving parental discipline. And if this is clear in your mind, then you have the foundation. So all of Hebrews 12 should have just made sense. But we live in a culture where we can't assume that people know this anymore. Because our culture is actively trying to get us to believe something different than what the Bible teaches about loving parental discipline. So what I want to do this morning is I know for some of you who know your Bibles well and you've been Christians a long time, you're probably going to hear mostly review this morning. Maybe some of the applications would be helpful. There are other people here that maybe you don't know your Bible quite so well. And your parents didn't know their Bibles very well. And maybe you just weren't raised in a Christian home. Nancy and I weren't. And these are some things that maybe would be good for you to ponder and to think about. And I am burdened for our parents, that is the parents in this room, who have children. Because I want to encourage you this morning. I want to encourage not only parents of young children, some of you have older children, and it's challenging. And I want to encourage you this morning. And then we all know, you might say, Greg, you know, I'm, I don't have any kids, grandkids, whatever. What You need to know how to encourage your friends who are parents and grandparents, and you need to know how to relate to your parents. So there's something for everyone in this message, and I'm praying that God will just really encourage all of us. I hope he'll help me to make it clear. Loving parental discipline. What do we see here? Okay, here we go. First point, parental discipline is godly. And notice I'm using the word parental there, even though in this text you will see the word father used again and again. And it's talking in our text about fathers and sons. We certainly don't want to limit it to sons. It's not like, hey, if you're a female, forget you because you don't, you, no discipline for you. It's just for sons. Even though some of you might say, I think boys need it more than girls, Greg. And that's, okay, that's up for grabs. I wouldn't necessarily deny that, but I, I don't know. So I'm going to broaden out what is told to sons to include sons and daughters in the same way I am going to broaden out from a human standpoint what is said here of fathers to both fathers and mothers and call that parental. I hope that makes sense, okay? What does our text say? Parental discipline is godly. Notice verse 5. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you're reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines and scourges every son whom he receives. Who is the one who's disciplining his sons? The Lord. The Lord disciplines his children. So we want to first of all begin with disciplining children by parents is a godly thing, meaning God does it. More than merely being godly, it is evidence of sonship. Notice beginning again in verse 5, the word son. And if we have some of the young ones in the room with us listening, you might want to circle if mom and dad let you. Every time the word son occurs in your bulletin. And if you were circling, you would notice in verse 5, it begins, my son. And then drop down to verse 6, he scourges every son. And then we'll see the word twice in verse 7. God deals with you as sons for what son is there. 
And then you could go all the way down to verse 8. All have become partakers, then you, if not your illegitimate children and not sons. Why this repetition of son, son, son? And then notice what it says in verse 7. God deals with you as with sons. That's what this whole passage is about. It shouldn't surprise us if God disciplines his children that that would be parallel to us that have children, fathers, parents, disciplining our children. Notice the second half of verse 7. What son is there whom his father does not discipline? It's rhetorical. I mean, if you're a child, you have been disciplined by your dad. Why? Because he's your dad and you're his son slash daughter. That's just the way it goes. You say, Greg, have you disciplined anyone in this room? Uh, those that are in the, my children that have been raised in my home. No one else because you're not my son or daughter. But we just go through life and it's evident. Parents discipline their children in evidence of sonship. In fact, notice verse 8. If you're without discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Those of you that have never been disciplined by me, have, you're not my kids. And those of you that have never been disciplined by God, you're not his child. According to this text. So that is why we respect those who discipline. That's verse 9. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. So we're talking here about sonship. God disciplines his children, and we would expect that. Earthly fathers, broaden it out to parents, discipline their children as well. So I want to make sure we understand the truth of the gospel. Because you might be thinking, I'm not sure I'm a child of God. I thought like everyone was a child of God. I thought we were all his kids. That would not be accurate. So let me make sure we understand that before we go any farther. I think Galatians 3.26 helps us well. You are all sons of God. And you might say, there, I told you. Well, but, but we got to get the rest of the verse. Through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul is writing this letter not to the whole world, but to a church, saying to them, you are sons of God, but notice, it's through faith in Christ Jesus. There's no other way to become a child of God. There's no other way to be a son or a daughter of God. You have to put your faith in Christ Jesus. We frequently say what? Conversion is repentance and faith. What is repentance? Turning from my sin, turning towards Christ, and believing in Him. That what? Things we've prayed and talked about already. That Jesus Christ is God. That He came into this world, He became a man, He went through this life never sinning, He went to a cross and He suffered and died, paying the price of my sin. He not only died, He rose again from the dead. He's now at the Father's right hand. And He's coming back one day. If that's your faith, if that's what you have believed, then you are a son of God. Not everyone believes that, but if you do believe that, you're one of these sons we're talking about. So I want to make that clear. One other text that's really helpful for me, this one I have to explain as well, Romans 8, 13 through 14. Who are the sons of God? All who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Wonderful text that's on my short list of most misunderstood texts. If I could review, we've covered this in the past. This verse does not mean I'm being led by the Spirit. Should I have a bagel or a waffle today? Hmm. Spirit, lead me. Should I have orange juice or pineapple juice or coffee? Spirit, no, no, that, that's not what this verse is talking about. You say, how do you know that? Every text has a context. Let's read the whole thing. If you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you're putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live for all who are being led by the Spirit of God. These are the sons of God. 
What testifies that I'm a child of God? The Holy Spirit is leading me to fight against sin. That's what the Spirit is leading me to do. It's not like, man, I don't know why I bought this truck, honey, like the Spirit just led me. That's not what it's saying, okay? In fact, the Spirit may be leading you to fight against the lust of your flesh in that illustration. So the Spirit leads us to put to death the deeds of the body and to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. So what's, how do you know that you're a son of God, a child, a daughter of God? It's back to the Galatians verse, right? You have put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You're trusting in him. And then you say, well, how do I know I'm really one of his kids? Here's key primary emphasis. You're fighting against sin. You're a person who actually wants to be more like the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I got, boy, I don't want to, I'm not going to embarrass anybody, but someone has told me recently that I'm glad to be at a church like Trinity. We're, we're not the only church like this. But he said to me, I'm glad we're at a church like Trinity where people are actually trying to follow Jesus and be like Jesus, and you don't have to apologize that you're not like the world. And I said, that's awesome. That's exactly how I feel. All of us as Christians, we should be different. It's not like just be like everybody else and believe in a little Jesus, but it's that Jesus Christ is changing us, and we're becoming more filled with the Spirit, evidencing the fruit of the Spirit. That's the key evidence to being a true child of God. Parental discipline is godly. It's evidence of sonship. But what else is true of parental discipline? Secondly, it's an evidence of love. Notice what the text says in verse 5. It says, whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. That's actually the beginning of verse 6. Those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. So our loving Father disciplines us because he loves us. You say, Greg, has Jesus ever said that? Yeah, how about Revelation 3.19? Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. It's what Jesus does. It's what the Lord does. I don't discipline children that don't belong to me, but when they were young. When my daughters were growing up in our home, I disciplined them. Why? Number one, they were my children, previous point. Second point, because I love them. I don't want to just let them go and do anything they want. I love them too much for that. I wanted them to grow up to be responsible. I, I wanted them to grow up to be trustworthy. I wanted to prepare them for life. And more than anything, I wanted them to be followers of Jesus Christ. Now, I realize we can't control that, but we certainly point them in the right direction and pray. And that's following the example of God, right? Parental discipline is an evidence of sonship. Parental discipline is an evidence of love. So I want to just pause and make an application to those of you that still have children in the home, God expects you to discipline your children because they belong to you and you love them. Parents who don't discipline. See, see we live in a world that doesn't buy this. And a lot of people are saying you need to let your children find their own path in life. Yeah, there is a way that seemeth right to a man, but the end thereof is death. You can let your kids find their own path, and they're going to end up in a very bad place. You don't let your kids find their own path. You discipline them because they're your kids and because you love them. Moms and dads, that's what you do. And I know it's a hassle, right? It's easier just to let it go. I mean, you don't like doing it. It takes energy. It always doesn't seem to work. And they don't like getting it. It's like a double lose. So why do it? Because you love them? Because they're your children. That's 
the biblical answer. And you don't say, well, uh, Greg, I take them to church, and I want the church to do this. No, no. God doesn't give children to churches. God gives children to parents. You say, well, I was going to put them in a school, let the school do it. God doesn't give children to schools. Now, if your kids, I hope, are part of a gospel-preaching church, then the church should support what you're teaching them at home. And especially if they're in a Christian school, the school should be teaching the same thing you're teaching at home. But the Lord gives children to parents. And let me quickly say, not the government, parents. So parents are responsible for their children, and loving parents discipline their children. And for those of us that are older, and our kids are already gone, well, we need to be looking at all these young, wonderful, lovely families we have and be praying for them and encouraging them in any way that we can. And remember, man, it was hard. Do you remember how hard it was raising kids? It was a hassle. It was wonderful, but it was a hassle. And let's be encouraging our, our younger families. Let's be encouraging younger moms, this, the, the people. I appreciate some of our older women faithful in the nursery saying, you know what, I've, I know what it's like to be with kids all week long. If I could be in the nursery and let one of these young moms have a break and hear a sermon and sing a few songs and praise Christ, what a blessing it would be. Thank you, ladies, who do that. And that's just one of the many ways we want to encourage our parents to be responsible for their children because they love their children. This is biblical. This is right. Parental discipline is godly. But number two, parental discipline is is varied, and that maybe is not a word that you would expect to see right away, but hopefully as soon as we go through this, it'll make more sense. What do we mean by parental discipline is varied? Well, parental discipline includes training and education. So loving parents train slash educate, same word, their children. Again, I'm looking here at verse 5 and verse 6. You have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the, here it comes, the discipline of the Lord. And then again, if we have children still with us, many I know go down to children's church, some stay with us. If you wanted to circle a word, you might want to circle the word discipline in your bulletin every time you see it. A big emphasis on God lovingly trains and educates, being at the heart of that word discipline. A couple of key references that we've looked at when we were going through this passage, back in Acts 7.22, Moses was educated, same word, disciplined, in all the learning of the Egyptians. So here's Moses being raised by Pharaoh's daughter. You know the story. And here are your children being raised in a Christian home. And you're teaching them, you're educating them in all the learning of the Bible and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're encouraging your children, you're educating your children. Acts 7.22. Another reference with Paul, Acts 22.3, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in the city, educated, there's our word, disciplined, under Gamaliel, strictly according to the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, just as you all are today. I am showing you that this word in Hebrews 12, translated discipline again and again and again, can be translated training, can be translated educating. I've used football many times. It's a coach saying, come on, Greg, pick it up. You're running too slow. Go run another lap. And he's helping me be a better football player. He's teaching me, encouraging me, helping me. And so we see here in the text that loving parents educate, train their children. And right, moms and dads, you guys are doing that, right? And again, I try to use illustrations. You might not do it exactly as I mentioned. But maybe your children want to watch a television show. You know, I don't know what you're into. And, and you say, well, no, kiddies, we, 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 we can't watch television yet. Because, see, we're going to have Bible time. 
And so daddy's going to open up the Bible, and I'm going to read just a couple of verses. And then as a family, we're just going to talk about Jesus a little bit, and we're going to pray, and then we can watch the ball game. All right? And I, now you say, is there anything on television other than sports worth watching? Not that I'm aware of. Maybe there is, okay? Maybe the kids like, I, you know, something I don't know that's appropriate. I won't name things, just come. But you know what, guys? How about this? Oh, you want to go outside and play? That's great. First of all, let's make the bed, pick up the room, and then you guys can go outside and play, right? Oh, God's parents said amen, right? Or, hey, no, Mom and Dad, I want to go out and have fun and do this, do that. Okay, so what we're going to do, honey, is do your homework first. And then I'll help you once you do your homework. What is that? That's disciplining. That's educating. That's training. And so that's one way parental discipline is varied. It includes training. It includes education. But a subpoint too. Not only do loving parents train and educate their children, here's where it's going to get a little more difficult. Loving parents chastise and punish their children. I've had people say to me, Do you think we should punish our children? And the best answer I can give you is it really doesn't matter what I think. Let's read the Bible. And in Hebrews chapter 5, excuse me, chapter 12, we're just looking. What does it say right here in verse 5? You have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. And you might be thinking, well, Greg, discipline, that's the word that a lot of the time, at least not always, means train, educate, and that's accurate. But the verse doesn't stop there. Do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by Him. For those whom the Lord loves, He disciplines, here it comes, and He scourges every son whom He receives. Scourge. The ESV translates it chastise, the NIV chasten, the Holman Christian punish. It's used of beating with a whip. It's the idea of punishing with discipline in mind. It's a rough word. And it's the word that the Lord uses here in the text. Verse 6, he scourges, chastises, punishes. Every son whom he receives. That's why verse 11 says what it is. Guys, look down at verse 11. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful. It's not, but sorrowful. And then, of course, yet to those who've been trained by it afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. That includes chastising children. So the question that will come up is, so Greg, does that include spanking children? And that is a fair question and a good question and a necessary question. And you could say to me, what do you think about spanking? And I'm not trying to be cute, but it doesn't matter what I think. I want to know what the Bible says. I know what the world says. I've Googled this week, should you spank your children? This is what you'll come up, a leading hospital, children's hospital, quote, Parents should avoid spanking as a form of discipline, pediatricians say. Spanking as a form of discipline is associated with poor health outcomes, such as mental health issues, substance abuse issues, and physical health issues. So we're being told by a leading children's hospital, moms and dads, if you spank your children, don't be surprised if they have mental health issues. And they'll probably end up doing drugs because that's what happens when you spank your kids. You know, pediatricians say that. Now, you could say what pediatricians, who, why, how, and how many. Different conversation. 
It's not hard to get quotes like this. How about another one? The Canadian Pediatric Society strongly discourages the use of physical punishment on children, including spanking. And I already know what some of you are thinking, Greg, that's because that's in Canada and all the kids have snow pants and it doesn't work. No, that's, that's not, I don't think, what they mean, even though that was a good thought. How about American doctors? The American Academy of Pediatrics cautions that corporal punishment is of limited effectiveness and has potentially deleterious side effects. hope I said that right. And recommends that parents be encouraged and assisted in the development of methods other than spanking for managing undesired behavior. Now, let me quickly say, I'm good with the end that parents should be encouraged and insisted, assisted excuse me, in the development of methods other than spanking because you should have many methods at your disposal, one of them being spanking. Now, that's not what they are saying. But here's what the Bible says, guys. Proverbs 13, 24. He who withholds his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. That's Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24. Some of you are thinking, man, I shouldn't have sent my kids to children's church, right? I want them to see this. Share this with them. He who loves a child disciplines his child. You say, okay, I'm good with discipline, but how about spank? He who withholds his rod hates his child. I did not write this. This is Proverbs 13, 24. And people will say, okay, what does the word rod mean? When you're studying the Bible, it's always good to be open. So we have what are called commentaries. Commentaries are people who study the Bible for a living and they comment on it. Commentaries. So I just grabbed a typical everyday average, nothing technical commentary. One that I have is the Bible Knowledge Commentary, just a two-volume commentary. One on the Old, one on the New Testaments, and I read a quote. A loving parent inflicts temporary discomfort on his children by spanking with a rod to spare them the life the long-range disaster of an undisciplined life. Refusal to discipline one's child when he needs it shows that a parent's genuine love and concern are questionable. You say, Greg, you're telling me if like my parents never spanked me, my parents' love and concern for me are questionable. I didn't write this. I didn't write this. That would be the opinion of people who study the Bible for a living. And they say, I'm just reading the Bible. It's just a commentary. I also find it helpful uh, in my preaching not just to consult commentaries, but translation guides that don't really comment so much on theology and such. It's just what do these Greek words mean and what is the best way to translate them into different languages, even though I'm not really translating. It just helps me to think through the text. And the one that I use probably more than any is the leading one by the United Bible Society. Here's what they say on this text. He who spares the rod hates his son. The view that bodily punishment is essential in the training of children is repeated several times in Proverbs. I mean, and they don't really wrestle with it. It's like there's certain things you don't have to wrestle with. It's just there. Now, you don't have to believe that, that people who love their children need to spank them. You can say, I don't accept Proverbs. I'm just putting it out there, beloved. It's there. And that's not the only verse. And I won't go through each of these carefully, but let me do a few more. Proverbs 22:15. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline will remove it far from him. We're talking here about spanking. Children are not naturally good. Children are naturally foolish, according to the Scriptures. And part of discipline would be using a rod, spanking. That would help the child to be less foolish. Proverbs 22.15 is very clear. And again, I'll just put it very simple. You don't have to accept the Bible. 
I preach the Bible, and this is what it says. Let's do another one. How about Proverbs 23, 13 and 14? Do not hold back discipline from the child. Although you strike him with the rod, he will not die. You shall strike him with the rod and rescue his soul from Sheol. Now, the NASB, as well as the ESV, I guess I didn't really realize this, um, they frequently translate that Hebrew word literally. They transliterate it into Sheol because it has different shades of meaning. And sometimes the word Sheol can mean hell, and that's possible. I don't think I'd go with that here. It's one possible meaning. Sometimes it means the grave or just it's a reference to death. The NIV translates it as death. You say, what does spanking a child do? Strike him with the rod and rescue his soul from. I'm not going to take this as hell. I'm not going to say you can spank a child enough that will get saved. I'm going to take that as the grave, as death. The fact is, if you discipline a child well and you spank him, appropriately, we'll talk about that, that you may be saving him from an early death. The world is filled with people who say, yeah, you know, I don't think that's something I would want to do. I know what my dad would do to me if he caught me doing drugs, breaking into that place treating another person that way and starting a fight. Things that contribute to early death. The Bible says discipline your children. And it should include spanking. This is what the Bible teaches. Proverbs 29, 15. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. And, and I don't want to elaborate on this verse because my heart breaks for some of the people who regularly worship with us and your children are right now bringing you great shame. And I want you to know I pray for you and I pray for your children. So let's just review. The church is not a museum. The church is a hospital. We all struggle. We all need help. And we're praying for each other. And we all know that when a child grows up and goes his own way, the parents are ashamed of him. So what do we do? We encourage the younger, newer parents, discipline your children, and yes, spank your children. If you believe what the Bible teaches this is the clear teaching of Scripture, and I think we've had enough there in the Proverbs to make that clear. The Bible teaches a varied approach to discipline. Loving parents train, loving parents spank. And somebody will say, but what about all of the abuse that goes on? And no doubt. There are parents who sin against their children in many ways, including abuse, and we want to make sure we acknowledge warnings, like Ephesians 6.4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We should never do anything that would provoke our children to anger. So I'm thinking through this again. One message, limited time, what do we do? Would it be good just to maybe quickly kind of review a little bit about what loving parental discipline, that includes spanking based on Hebrews 12 and multiple Proverbs would look like. And, and I, there's probably some key things that I'm not going to say, and so give me grace on this. I just thought if we had five minutes to just encourage us all what would loving parental discipline, including spanking, look like? First of all, it's motivated for God's glory. It's, Lord, I love you, and I just want to follow the Bible because Jesus is awesome. What does the Bible say? Okay, Hebrews 12 and Proverbs say, this is what I should be doing. Lord, if it'll bring you glory, I'll do it. Not, I don't even know if I'm excited about it, but I'll do it. And it's not the motivation of, hey, you're in my house, you're going to obey my rules. You got that, kid? It has nothing to do with that. 
It's, Lord, I want to glorify you. And secondly, I love my child. It's why I have him in soccer. That's why I have him doing piano. It's why I'm helping him with his homework. It's why we're trying to make sure they're, they're well-fed and well-clothed and all this good stuff. I love them so much. And the Bible's telling me that if I love them, I would discipline them. And that includes spanking and not. Okay. Lord, I love them. So this is what I need to do. Careful. And thirdly, in prayerful, controlled, gracious, intentional ways. And again, I've learned from those who have come before me in preaching and things that I have read. And I was taught, if you're angry, you never discipline your child. Because you don't know why you're doing it. So your kid disobeys and it's like, how many times have I told you not to? And, well, one thing I know, I'm not spanking him. Because how do I know I'm doing it for God's glory and it's out of love? And it may well not be. Prayerful, controlled, gracious, intentional. Honey, let's talk a few minutes because Daddy made it very clear that this is what I told you you must do and you disobeyed. And I want you to know because of that disobedience, the Bible teaches me that now I need to discipline you. So I love you and I'm going to spank you. You don't love me, Daddy. Yeah, you know, and I realize that's how you feel, but the fact is, if I didn't spank you, you would be right. right? You say, that never worked with my kids. Okay, it doesn't matter. You don't love me? And as my sweet wife would say, you got to remember who's the parent. I'm the parent. And parents tell children what is true. And when they're wrong, it doesn't take them away from doing what is true. If you spank me, I hate you. Yeah, you'll you'll get over it. Okay? I love you, and this is reality, and this is what the Bible says. And so right now, I'm going to spank you. And honey, I'm not really even mad at you. I just want to follow Jesus, and this is what my Bible says. So I am now controlled, gracious, intentional. You're not out of control. Next. Let's be careful that it's applied to appropriate bodily locations. I've heard my mother say more than once, the Lord has given us a place to receive appropriate spanking. It's not slapping someone across the face. It's not hitting them in the head. It's not shoving them up against the wall. It's certainly never punching, kicking, never. But it would be, again, in prayerful, controlled, gracious, intentional ways, applied to appropriate bodily locations, administered next in private settings, not in front of their friends, not in front of company. I have been in some of your homes where your young child has clearly disobeyed you. And I have watched dad say, hey, Greg, excuse me, it's going to be a few minutes And dad takes the child by the hand to a private room. They're gone for a while. And I look at Nancy and wink. Because I'm thinking, praise God. Praise God that here's a dad who's taking seriously what God has called him to do. In a private setting, you don't humiliate people. You don't embarrass people. That's not what you're trying to do at all. In private settings, now I want to be careful. You say, Greg, would you spank a child in public? I would not. Too many allegations going on. Careful. You say, I thought it was illegal to spank your child. No, it is legal for a parent to spank his or her child in all 50 states. I checked this weekend. But people will make allegations personally, just wisdom. I would never spank a child in a public place. Which means, son, when we get home, we're going to have a talk, okay? And hopefully from past experience, the son knows. I know what that means, right? And it's not good. And when you're home privately, you purposely, prayerfully, okay, so administered in private settings, careful only to your own children. Parents, God gives you the children, so we're not spanking other people's children, only to your own children, and one more, 
and I'm sure I've missed some, but the last one for this morning, for intentional disobedience, not for mistakes. Your child's filling up a glass of milk and he drops it, he slipped. You know, you make mistakes. It's not disobedience, it's clumsiness. Okay. Now, if you told the child, do not pick up the glass of milk, that's a different issue. But we're not spanking people for making mistakes. We are doing it for intentional disobedience, okay? So maybe those are some things to help us think through. Number one this morning, parental discipline is godly. Number two, parental discipline is varied. And a third point, parental discipline is sustained. That's a word I I struggled with, and hopefully even if it's not the best word, it'll make sense once I explain. This text of Hebrews, is it addressed only to children? No. Is it addressed to believers, including believing adults? Yes. So we don't want to think of discipline only for very young toddlers. But this is something that God, at least, continues to do in our lives. He disciplines. So that takes me to a question. As parents, how long do we discipline our children? Now, I want to quickly say there's a, there's a time where you would not discipline them. They're newborns, right? I think we all know it's not safe to discipline, to spank a newborn. You want to be very careful. They're not intentionally disobeying you. It's not that they're thinking of ways to do something differently, right? You said, honey, roll over, and she's thinking, I'm not rolling over, <laughs> you know? I mean, come on. They can't think on that level. There comes a time where you begin to discipline. Okay, other side, how long do you discipline your children? Well, I think the passage of Scripture that has helped me the most think through this and explain it to others is Ephesians 6, 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first command with the promise, so that it may be well with you that you might live long on the earth. I want to focus on two key commands. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Second command, honor your father and mother. Let's start with the second one. What should we do? We should be people who always honor our parents. I am old. I still prayerfully seek to honor my parents. My mother is still living. You don't have to do it like me. Did I call my mom yesterday? Yes. Will I call her today? Yes. She lives at home. She's alone. She likes it when I call. You say, Greg, why do you call her? Because I want to honor her. She's my mother. And so I call her. Okay? Now, you don't have to call every day. But whatever honoring looks like for you, and I'm talking to the older people like me, if one of your parents would still be alive, you're never too old to honor your parents. I think we're good with that. That's not the question. Here's the question. How long do we obey our parents. Well, back to the verse, what did it say? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So how long does a person obey parents? And this will be, I hope, something helpful for you. I've worded it this way. We obey our parents until we're in the role of an adult. I don't obey my parents anymore. I quit obeying my parents a long time ago more than 40 years ago, because I entered the role of an adult. So what does it mean to be in the role of an adult? In our society, there's two key things. You can add to this if you want. Adults live apart from their parents. Okay? So when a person moves out, no longer under the authority of the parents. Secondly, you say, that's great, man, I'm away from school and college. Who's paying for your college? You say, ooh, (laughs) I didn't want you to bring that up. 
Second mark of an adult, financially independent from their parents. I don't have any bills that get sent to my mom. Right? When I was in school here in South Carolina, tuition bills, who'd they go to? Me or Nancy, one of us, okay? So I'm financially independent from my parents. Mom and dad aren't paying my cell phone. Mom and dad aren't paying my insurance. Mom and dad aren't paying my car payment. Mom and dad certainly aren't paying my tuition. I am not against that, moms and dads. But I want you to know, I have young people. I teach at a university, right? Hey, Dr. Mazak, I'm, I'm dating this guy, and my dad says I'm not allowed to. I'm like 20 years old. He treats me like a kid. Okay, uh, can I ask you a few things? Like, who pays for your tuition? Well, mom and dad. Who pays for your cell phone? Well, mom and dad. What do you do in the summer? Oh, yeah, like I go back home. Why do you think your parents have the right to tell you who to date? Because you are in the role of a child. I'm not calling you a child. You're 20 years old, but you're not in the role of an adult. And so we need to think through this because we have a world. Mom and dad, I am trying to encourage you. I am trying to empower you. Don't be afraid to discipline young adult children under your roof. You have every right to do that. Nancy and I have done, I'm not saying we're perfect, but Nancy and I have done that. We have had house rules for our kids, even when they were young adults. In those college years, they were still living with us. We've had a couple of times adult women live with us for various periods of time. We were just trying to help them out. And yes, they had house rules. And though they weren't allowed to date anyone they wanted, and they weren't allowed to have anyone in our house at the same time, they want, anytime they wanted, there were certain behaviors we don't approve of. They were not allowed to do that in our house, even though they were adult young women. They were in our home, which means they're going to live by our house rules. So we want to be careful that we realize, I'm going to use Genesis 2.24, a man shall leave his father and his mother, be joined to his wife, they shall become one flesh. That's a good thing. And it's not always marriage, I have to be careful. But typically what happens, at least frequently, is two people get married and what do they do? They leave their father and mother and they begin a new household. We see that here in Genesis 2.24. And no, then they don't have to obey mom and dad anymore. At the same time, as long as we have children that are not embracing the adult role, I am going to encourage them that, yes, they still must obey their parents. But Dr. Mazak, Pastor Greg, they still te- treat me like a kid. Well, you know, let's talk. Do you talk to your parents? Say, Mom and Dad, can we chat and have a conversation? But maybe they're not treating you as an adult fully because you're not in the role of an adult. Okay? So, loving parents, I want to flesh this out just a bit. Loving parents continue to discipline older children that are not yet in the role of an adult. In what areas? I say this, parents, to encourage you. How about a few illustrations? How about in education? You say, would you let a high school child pick his own high school? Never. I'm the parent. I will decide where my children go to high school. Some of you are going to choke on this. You ready? Would you let your child pick his own university or college? Never. Now, i got to be careful. I'm going I'm to fudge that a little bit. One of my daughters once just asked me. She didn't say she was going to. She just said, Dad, you know, I know you want me to go to a Christian university. What if I wanted to go to Clemson? Short version... I'll help you make a budget for tuition, room and board, and transportation. And after we talked for a little bit, she looked at me and she said, what you're trying to tell me is you would refuse to pay for me to go to Clemson. I said, boy, you listen well. I would never pay to send my kid to Clemson, and I'm a Clemson grad. You don't have to agree with me. You say, Greg, but she's like 18, 19, 20, yeah, and she's still in my house. 
You treat her like a child. There's probably a reason for that. I talk to parents who come to me and say, Greg, my kid wants, I'm, gonna eat, I'm not down on Clemson. I like Clemson, right? I'm a grad. I talk to parents who say, my child wants to go to a public university, Greg, and I don't know what to do. And I, and I think, seriously, seriously. Well, I don't want him to, but like, I don't want to say no. It's called, talk to my wife, you're the parent. Man up. That's what my, I'm just quoting my sweet wife, okay? That's how she views life. This is what we do. Now, don't get me wrong. Hey, I want to go to a different university, Dad. You know, if you believe it honors the Lord and this is what you want to do, you are welcome to remove yourself from my authority. You can leave the house, you can get your own place, and you can pay all your own bills. And then you would be free to make adult choices because, right, you're out on your own as an adult. But you are in my home, so you are in the role of a child. Education, we could go on. How about employment? I would not allow my child to work at a place in high school that I didn't approve of, right? I'm the adult. They might want to work at some place, and I say, you know, I'm not comfortable with that. That's not the kind of place I would want one of my daughters working. You're a dad. You're a mom. You have the right to say that. I'll back you 100%. It might be something else related to employment. It might be that they're out of school. You say they're out of school. They're living in your home. Well, in my home, you'll either be going to school or you'll be working. You say, what if I don't want to go to school? And I, I don't want to work, okay? It probably means we're going to do a word study on sluggard because Proverbs has a lot to say about it. And no, you're not allowed to stay in my home without a job or without going to school. You, that, that is unacceptable. That's just not how we do life. And so let's talk about employment in appropriate ways. You get the idea. Let's go on. How about church? I've had parents say, Greg, I mean, like my high school kid doesn't want to go to church with me. I understand that. They don't have an option. I mean, this is what we do. This is what we do as a family. You'll be coming to church with us. Now, again, you all have to decide. You say, well, my child's a little bit older. My child's in college. And what you have to decide, but I just want to say, mom and dad, you have the right to say what you believe is best. They are your child. They're in your home. They're not adults. Okay? And we could go beyond church. How about friends and dates? Right? Greg, I don't like the guy my daughter's dating. I don't like the girl my son is dating then I would encourage you to immediately let them know that. And I'm asking you not to date that person. You, you don't wait till they get attached and try to break it up. That generally is challenging. You start very early and you say, hey, we don't like you hanging out with that person. That's the rule. That's how we do life. I'm the dad. You live in my house. And I've encountered this. But I believe God wants me to date that person and we're going to go into church ministry and be missionaries, whatever. That may be true. So what do I do? My parents aren't spiritual enough to realize that. Okay, number one, pray for your parents. And number two, if you still don't see them change, you are welcome to leave the home, go get your own place, pay for your own bills, live on your own, live like an adult, and then make adult decisions. But see, you're not living like an adult. You're living as a child in my home, and so I have a right to have an opinion on friends and on dates. And just one more, on recreation, entertainment, curfew. You know, hey, Dad, it's spring break. Do you care if I go to Florida for the week? <sighs> yeah, actually, I do. <laughs> okay, let's talk about it. Well, Dad, all the other kids are gone. Well, number one, that's not true. And number two, it doesn't matter if it were. Because I love you, and spring break at Lauderdale is just not part of God's will for you, I promise. And you will not do that. And let me quickly say this, and I know i got to watch time, but moms and dads, you say, like, what do you do if your kids just won't follow any of this? Would you kick them out of your house? And I've explained this to parents from Trinity. I would never kick a child out of my house. 
I would simply say, these are the requirements, and if you choose not to follow them, then you choose to leave. Oh, so you're kicking me out. No, no, no. When you broke curfew for the third time, you made a choice to leave. You're kicking me out. Yeah, that's the way children talk, and you're obviously still one. Don't try to blame this on me. You're an adult. You're what? Living 21? You know the rules. You made a choice, baby. I'm so sorry. I'm praying for you. I didn't kick him out. Guys, there are expectations in every area of life. I can't do what I want and still pastor a trinity. If there are certain things I did, the elders would ask me to step down, and you would agree with that. I teach at a Christian school. There are certain things that if I did, they would say, Greg, you have chosen to leave. i got to be careful how I say this, but I am going to say it. One of the few places I know where you can do anything you want and live contrary to the Bible is in Christian homes where parents don't understand what the Bible teaches. Okay, and I, I did say that not to hurt anyone, but to empower moms and dads. You're allowed, you're expected, you're being godly when you discipline your children. And if you need some encouragement because they're pushing back so hard, I will talk with you and I'll pray with you because I know it's hard. And I'll be glad to get other people to come by and pray with you and encourage you to do what is godly as long as you have children in your home. So parental discipline is godly, it's varied, and it's sustained. Here's our conclusion, don't forget. And I'm taking don't forget all the way back from verse 5. You have forgotten. This says don't forget. Loving fathers discipline their sons. I would expand that, parents to children, for their good. It is true of earthly fathers, and Hebrews 12 has helped me understand this better than ever. It is true of our heavenly Father. This is how my loving heavenly Father treats me. Because He loves me so much, and He's doing it for my good, so that I would share his holiness. He's trying to make me more like Jesus. That's verse 10. Parents, this is how we should seek to love our children and love them well. Let's pray. Father, we've read in your word that sometimes we struggle with the challenges of life because we've forgotten what the Bible clearly teaches about raising children and the father-son relationship. And Lord, we do. The Hebrews, they forgot. And it's easy for us to forget that there is a way that Fathers show love to children, Lord, and that's why you discipline us. And so we pray, Father, when life is hard for us as followers of Jesus, we pray that you would encourage us to realize it's not that you don't love us, it's that you love us. That's why you discipline us and at times scourge, chastise us. We pray, Lord, that this application to our families, those of us that have children, that what we've considered this morning would be helpful, Lord, that parents from Trinity Bible Church would be encouraged, Lord, to really understand what your word teaches. And Lord, even when the whole world is pushing the other way, that through the power of your Spirit, you would encourage them. Lord, we pray especially for our parents that have children in the home. Lord, help them 
to know how to love their children well. For those of us that are a little bit older and, and, and that part of life is gone, help us to love well the parents that are here to encourage them as they go through a difficult time. And we do pray for the children listening, children of various ages, that they would truly understand what a biblical home would look like. All for your glory. In Jesus' name 